0: shame Who could carry that kind away of It was my soul Till I met. I was free to hide the old you such an awesome time of worship, but we want to continue in our worship this morning through giving. we try to make that as easy as possible for you here, so you can either go to our website or a mobile app to give. It's time to jump into the Word with Pastor Mike. We're really excited to hear what he has to say, so let's head on over.
1: Well, good morning. We are in a brand new book, the book of 2 Thessalonians, written by a guy named the Apostle Paul. And uh, it's fast-moving, it's fast-paced, and we'll get right into it in just a second. I've entitled this series of First and Second Thessalonians, Ready or Not. And the reason that I chose that is both of these books are really preparing the people of God for the second coming of Christ, Uh, for the end of days, what's going to happen towards the end, and then also the Antichrist that's going to come, and so there were a lot of questions among this early church about when's it all going to end, how's it going to end, what about the people that already died, we heard that Jesus already came back, a lot of confusion, a lot of questions, which prompted the Apostle Paul to write these two letters, so we are starting the first chapter, verses 1 through 12, in 2 Thessalonians. So I have a question for us because it really gets right into it here in the first chapter verses 1 to 12. It really is dealing with a topic that I know is a difficult topic sometimes for us to deal with and that is what happens, what do we do when we get offended, when we have an offense against us, when there is an enemy after us, Uh, When a relationship goes south or something happens just out of the blue that's tragic that actually is a wave against us, how do we handle that? What do we do? We're going to be dealing with that today out of the Word of God. Now, just a little bit of background here before we read the text. Um, The author of this letter named the Apostle Paul, man, this guy was always on the go. He was always on the move for the gospel. He was just so passionate and so focused about doing the will of God, nothing would stop him. I think he would fit right smack dab in the middle here of the OC in this kind of fast paced, busy, you know, lifestyle that we have here that would not upset Paul at all, but he would remain focused on the mission that God gave him basically he was in a city called Troas and he wanted to go to Asia but the Holy Spirit shut the door for him to go there and in the middle of that night he had a dream from a guy from a city named Macedonia and basically the man in the dream said this Paul we need you to come to our city we need you to help us now when he woke up he put everything down and he made his way to the city of Macedonia because he believed God was speaking to him through that dream he said let's go let's drop everything and we go on his way he stopped at a city named philippi there was a road there called via ignatia and he shared the gospel there and as a result of sharing the good news they kicked him out of the city but that didn't stop paul because he went on to thessalonica because of the dream that he had and he shares the good news there and he gets kicked out of the city of thessalonica same thing happened Persecution after persecution, after offense, after affliction. Paul doesn't stop, man. I love this guy. Then he gets to a city called Athens and he shares the good news of the gospel there. He then goes on to a place called Corinth with Silas and Timothy, two of his uh, companions. Timothy, on his way, gives the report to Paul of what happens. In the city of Thessalonica, how there's a lot of questions, there's a lot of confusion there. Paul was grieved about that, and that's what prompted the Holy Spirit to have him sit down and write this letter about what do we do when persecution comes against us? What do we do when we have questions about when Jesus is going to return? What do we do when we have these questions about how's the world going to end and what's going to happen with the Antichrist and the tribulation and all that stuff? And really, he gets right into it here about how do we deal with an offense. The church was persecuted by the Roman government of that day, and there was an emperor by the name of Nero. And we'll get to that in just a second. But Jesus, back to his words, basically said, if you allow an offense to get the best of you, it can grow into bitterness. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. He says, therefore, if anyone of you offers a sacrifice at the altar... And there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift at the altar. First go and be reconciled there, and then offer your gift to God. The reason I I point this out is because Paul was simply following, when he wrote this letter of 2 Thessalonians, he was simply following the words of Jesus. So I'm going to get right into the text here um, in uh, the first chapter of 2 Thessalonians. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, verse 1, he says, To the church of Thessalonica... In God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to always thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so because your faith is growing more and more. And the love all of you have for one another is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials that you are enduring. I'm gonna stop right here and say a lot of affirmation that Paul is doing, and a lot of it just comes out of his heart and through the inspiration of, of God. He's really affirming the fact that you as a church are doing a wonderful job of staying in there, hanging in there with your faith. When persecution comes, you are loving one another. In fact, I'm telling everybody about your faith and about how you're persevering under all these trials. So he's just a lot of affirmation. You guys are doing fantastic in this. Now he says this in verse five. All of this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you'll be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled, and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with an everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. And on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed, this includes you because you believed our testimony to you. Basically, Paul is saying, Look, when people come after you, when the government comes after you and says, can't have church services, can't have the Bible, can't be praying, Christianity's against the law, we're gonna throw all these Christians into prison, which was happening, and we're gonna torture them, and, 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 and even in some of them, uh, inflict uh, so much torture that they would die, have to die for their faith. You keep on persevering, and your testimony is a witness to the fact that God is a fair God. And and he's really, everything he's saying here is about bringing the gospel to light in the midst of all this persecution. Now, there was a guy named Nero who was the emperor of that day. Basically, he was on a fast track to annihilate Christianity, to stop Christianity in its tracks. He wanted world domination. He was power hungry and nothing was going to get in his way. In fact, he was the one that started throwing Christians into the lion's den as a sport for their very death. He was the one that would torture Christians, tie them to telephone poles, pour tar over them, and light them up as torches and lamps throughout his entire city. He was a horrible guy. He didn't want any Christians in his city, in his town. And so God is saying to the Christians there of that day, look, when someone comes against you, when they have an offense against you, your job is to not retaliate. Your job is to not uh, get revenge. I don't know if you've noticed, but I certainly have. When I've been tempted to get revenge on someone else or to get bitter about someone else or to go around and try and fix, uh, you know, what they've done to me or my family or to the church or whatever it is, that takes a lot of energy. And what it does is it takes my focus around where God never intended it to be. And that's why he says here in verse six, God is just, God will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and to us as well. So God is a fair God. And we can take great comfort in that because we know that the God is always going to be fair with everybody. And he says in verse 10 here, we just were reminded he will uh, be glorified in his holy people, his people. We will marvel at those, he says, who have believed, who have trusted me, who have received me, and are now following me. He's really encouraging the people of God. Look, keep doing what you're doing. Keep following. Don't get revenge. And remember that there will be a judgment day. There will be the wrath of God to come, which should motivate you to get the gospel to as many people as possible. And your witness to not get revenge on someone is how powerful the gospel is. It's life-changing. It it is an, an internal change for someone who just needs to know that God is a loving God and he loves us with his grace. He died on a cross and he rose again on the third day from the dead to show us that he really is God. So here's, here's just some, some takeaways and some practical stuff that, that I'm working on in my own life. I hope this is helpful. If you're taking some notes, number one is this. We should not be surprised at an offense against us. It's just part of following Christ. Jesus didn't say, hey, come follow me for the easy road. He said, come Follow me, deny yourself, take up the cross, and, and, and in following me, you may have to go through some suffering. Consider this, 2 Timothy 3.12 says this, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It's just going to happen. Philippians 1.29, Paul says, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for Him. Luke 6.22 and 23, Blessed are you when people hate you, When they exclude you, they insult you and reject you because of the Son of Man. Rejoice, because great is your reward in heaven. And then John 15, 20 says, A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, man, they're going to persecute you also as well. So we just have to, I think the first action point is pretty clear. As Paul is saying, look, you're going to have to understand that an offense will come your way. If you follow me, they hated me, they're going to hate you. It's just a part of following Jesus. Not to say that we like it, not to say that we long for that or we're looking for that. It's just, look, I know this is part of the package deal. And Jesus, I trust you in the midst of people who maybe hate you, um, um, trying to go around you, trying to steal your job, uh, saying bad things about you, trying to destroy your name, discredit you as a follower of Jesus. You keep following me, which leads us... So number two, we've got to be able to have an eternal perspective. We've got to be able to have an eternal perspective as we follow the Lord. Trouble, offense, and suffering are going to happen. And he says here in verse 8, Those will be punished who do not know God and do not obey the gospel. That tells me this, that there is an eternity. It is real. Something happens after we die. We will all, Matthew 25 says, We will all be ushered into the very presence of God, and there will be a judgment day there. He will separate those as those who have followed him, who have said yes to Jesus Christ, and those who have rejected him. And he's really clear about the fact that, look, those who do not know me, those who did not obey the gospel, those who rejected the free gift of eternal life that I offered to everyone, if they reject that, they're going to have to stand before me and they're going to have to go through the consequence of judgment. Now, that doesn't doesn't mean that God enjoys that. That's not um, the way God wants it to be. We basically choose where we want to go. And he says here, those who do not know God, that word know, K-N-O-W, is the same word that's used way back in Genesis when it said Adam knew Eve. And I think the correlation there that Paul wanted us to understand is uh, who gets to go to heaven and who doesn't get to go to heaven? Who who gets to go to heaven? Who, who unfortunately, will go to eternal punishment? Those who know God intimately, in relationship, who have put their faith in Christ, we pass through the judgment day because Jesus died for our sins. He washed them away, and we are forgiven. Now, for those who reject that, that's what he's saying here. Do not obey the gospel. That does not mean, I want to make sure we're real clear on this, that if we disobey God once, we're going to hell. It just means that those who reject the gospel, the good news of Christ, there'll be consequences of that. God makes a promise, man. He says, I have forgiven you. I have bought you with a price. I have done everything in my power to save you. You must come to me from your heart, my way. And so serious about that was that Jesus was that he took the punishment for us. He died on a cross. He he took the beatings. He was crucified. He took our place so that now that we don't have to stand in the punishment and the wrath of God. So he says here, you know, the the whole thing about when we're offended, when we get an offense against, somebody's coming at us. I think the next thing we really want to do is to follow the word of God and he makes it really clear in the book of Matthew to settle matters quickly. Settle matters quickly quickly. Someone once said, you know, before marriage, opposites attract, and then after marriage, opposites can attack. I think even in our own relationships, if we allow ourselves to get offended so much that we lock ourselves in a prison, um, we, we are the ones that all of a sudden lose that power that God sends us through His Holy Spirit to keep living for Christ. And, and he's basically saying, sometimes the closest people to us are the ones that can offend us and hurt us the most, and so what do we do? I think the next um, action step, really clear here that Paul is encouraging the the um, Thessalonian people is, you gotta learn to drop it, man. When you get offended, doesn't mean that we avoid it. Doesn't mean that we deny it's not happening. Does it? It simply means that I must intentionally drop the offense. That's exactly what Jesus did. He dropped the offense. When Jesus was being nailed to a cross, he literally look up, looked up into the face of those that were crucifying him and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Man, I just think about that in my own life. If those that are against me, those that are in opposition, those that hate me, those that you know, are coming after me, um, those that I've allowed them to offend me, if, if I don't have the attitude of Christ and the heart of Christ, Father, forgive them because they, they really don't know what they're doing. There was a guy named Shmeen who wrote in a, in a fantastic book about forgiveness. He said, Forgiveness is setting a prisoner free and finding out that the prisoner was you. I think really that's the essence of what Paul is saying here to the people in Thess- the city of Thessalonica. Is look, Don't allow the offenses. Don't allow what the government is doing. Don't allow Nero to destroy your faith. You keep living for Christ. Keep going. Keep persevering. And if you choose not to do that and you choose not to forgive that person who hurt you, you choose not to forgive the offense that came against you, you're unfortunately going to be the one that's stuck in that prison. So we got to break down the pride, we got to break down the arrogance. We got to stay in a place where we're not trying to control everything, but we completely trust Jesus for others and the um, problems that we maybe have, have come against us. Now he he goes on here in verse eleven and he says, um, "With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of His calling, and that is by the, His power He may bring to fruition for every desire for goodness and every uh, deed prompted by faith." We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. And you and him according to the grace of our God, the Lord Jesus Christ. I think that it's pretty clear that God wants to be glorified, not because life is easy, but because when we get hit, when we get offended, we are willing to do what Jesus told us to do. We're willing to drop it. And I just feel like, you know, at this moment, there's maybe somebody listening to this or maybe you're watching this and you've been offended, you've been hurt, and rightly so. But if we live in that offense, we're really the ones that are stuck in prison. And I, I, my prayer is that you just give it all up to Jesus. Let him touch you. Let him take it. And we just close with this. I think for some of us, even those of us that have given our lives to Christ, we may still struggle with unforgiveness. And we carry these, the weight of this backpack on our shoulders. And, and Jesus is saying, let me have that. Let me take that from you. And if we choose to do that, we truly can be free. I'd like to just pray for us as we are challenged by the word to to not take those offenses and and to be willing to give them to Jesus and forgive those who have maybe hurt us. God, I just thank you for the power of the gospel and I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you, Lord, that we have been challenged to trust you in faith when we've been hurt, when we've been offended, to just give it to you. And I pray if there's anyone out there just needs to be released uh, of unforgiveness or resentment or bitterness and holding on to that, I pray that you give them the courage to just drop it and let it go. And Father, we just pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Hey, I hope this has been helpful. I just want to encourage you, if this can maybe be a help for someone else, I want to encourage you to, you know, pass this on social media. Just want to remind all of you, we have our services every Sunday morning here at 10 a.m. We would love to have you if you're in the area, and we'll look forward to seeing you next week as we continue on through Second Thessalonians.